and welcome to the 16th episode of Teens Talk Politics. I'm Julius. And I am Neil, and we're two days early. Look at that. Wow, We're amazing. on a weekly basis again. Sort of. Sorry, I still, <laughs> I still have the hiccups. Alright, well, one thing that we did sort of forget to mention last time, it has been two years since the school shootings in Parkland, which... Yes, it it has been two years since that has occurred. Yeah, um, and we, interestingly enough, have not seen anything happen since (laughs) then, except maybe the bump stock ban, but that uh, was mostly happening after Las Vegas, the Las Mm. Vegas shooting at the that um, country concert. Yeah. Um, and you know, regardless of my views, uh, my views on gun violence, or uh, rather, gun control and the systemic reasons behind gun violence. Mm -hmm. It is strange that after so, uh, so much, you know, ground organizing, um, you know, our leaders have not been receptive to it at all and managed to put that into legislation. And of course you could, sorry, (laughs) you could say that, uh, Mitch McConnell has been a major roadblock to that, given that I'm sure there are, you know, multiple gun control bills sitting up on his desk right now. Uh, but, you know, nonetheless, our legislative process is just not conducive to major change uh, that people feel is urgent. Yeah, it's not very reflective of democratic change specifically, just because support for things like gun control, and in, again, in like the general sense of the word, are fairly high, while like actual political action around it is not. And this is you do tons of things both systemically in terms of like the representation of people in entities such as congress as well as just uh the influence of money in politics but yeah um i mean overall like i guess for our my takes personally on gun control is just that like in the past it's definitely been used as a method to dis dis i was gonna say disenfranchise disarm like African Americans and the Black Panthers specifically. Oh yeah, definitely. And like communities that actually need the protection from the police and the forces that are uh, directly harming them don't have access to basic self-protection in that sense. Uh, but like how even taking that into consideration, there's definitely some issue with like there's really not a lot of regulation regarding like firearms in the U.S. Uh, when it comes to just like the overproduction and like commodification of firearms, and it's kind of whack that like there 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 isn't really a lot of legislation around that. That is that's a fair criticism. I think one thing that both you and I, as well as you know, I'm sure thousands of other leftists have um, realized about guns in the United States is that mm-hmm. gun culture. Um, really relies on, like, commodity fetishism. Oh, yeah, true. Um, and this idea that, you know, guns are this romantic object that, uh, you know, that should be bought and sold in a market, uh, that should be advertised. Um, and as a result, you know, that is, uh, that's resulted in guns mostly being in the hands of um, middle-class white men. Yeah who, uh, because of class and race dynamics, uh, historically, um, throughout this country, uh, you know, are more, more, um, they have a higher proclivity towards, you know, racial or classist violence 
just statistically. That's mm-hmm. not to generalize and say that all middle-class white men are violent white supremacist extremists, although I'm sure there's not an insignificant yeah. number of them. Um, but, you know, because of power dynamics in this country, uh, that it is extremely unfortunate that firearms are uh, amassed in that demographic. Yeah. Um, one other thing, obviously... I am against, you know, total disarmament of the working class, mm-hmm. but I do think there are gun control, uh, gun control measures that we could take that aren't tantamount to disarmament. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, things that aren't like an assault weapons ban, and although I'm sure you could make a case for an, an assault weapons ban, um, you know, the police are militarized and the working yeah, class are not a specific yeah like that's one of the things that i feel like uh from a new neoliberal perspective is often ignored uh like the argument that uh civilians shouldn't have access to like the same types of weapons that like the military and police have access to like how about considering like should police and the military have access to that too because like the in the hands of police that amount of militarization and weaponization has done significant amount of harm, sig- uh, significant amounts of harm to many uh, disadvantaged communities. And in the hands of the military, it has murdered like hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of civilians around the world. So there's definitely a very large issue with that as well. Yeah, there's, there's also a lot of things to be said about Bloomberg in that regard, but we'll oh, get to that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there is definitely a double standard that needs to be applied mm-hmm. there, or rather that needs to be eliminated so that the same yeah. standard is applied um, regarding the police and the working class. Because if the police benefit from uh, you know being armed to the teeth, <laughs> why, can't, uh, why can't working people whom are being oppressed by, uh, you know, the classist and racist institutions um, at the head of this country. Um, And I think we could use that to safely say we are living in a police state. Oh, that's Yeah, Julius came up with a really great example of that. Oh, yeah. um, Regarding green. So, yeah, recently, like, if you see, like, if you're a doorbell fanatic like I am... uh, Or you like Canvas a lot... (laughs) Uh, there are, like, these doorbells from a company called Ring. I think they're owned by Amazon. Probably. Which adds another shade of creepy to this. Yeah. Either Amazon or Google, I don't quite remember. But, uh... I'd like to imagine that Jeff Bezos is sitting in, like, a spinny chair watching <laughs> random footage from ringing, from the, from, like, Ring yeah. cameras, while someone, like, buffs his head to make it <laughs> as shiny as possible. Oh my gosh. Yes. But, yeah, so, like, Feed him. they make, like, the video doorbells and, like, surveillance cameras for, like, homes. But uh, over 400 police departments across the country have partnered with them. And, they yeah, they are owned by Amazon. And uh, this, they're, they're basically partnering with Ring to create, like, video surveillance or have access to video surveillance footage from people's homes and from people's doorsteps, uh, which... If you don't see how that's problematic, then that's a bit worrying, but uh, basically police have access to pretty much unlimited amounts of surveillance footage that could be, like, in and around your own home, and they can keep this footage for indefinite amounts of time. Uh, And, yeah, it's basically increasing government surveillance in, like, both 
public and the private sense in that like this is legally allowing police stations and police departments to have access to footage in your home if they deem it necessary. Exactly. I feel like there's not a great enough focus in the United States or I guess in politics in general um, about your privacy being private, about oh, uh, your sure. data being yours. Um, and not yours in like a in like a capitalist sense, like your data to you know sell, and yeah, sell and buy. Um, but like, about like privacy. you being entitled <laughs> yeah. to privacy, um, and this is just a, a blatant infringement. Yeah. Um, on that, uh, hidden behind you know layers and layers of complex uh, legalese and terms of conditions, mm-hmm. which no one reads. obviously because it's extremely inaccessible not just to normal people but i'm sure like you know disabled people or reading impaired people also like there's a reason why like lots of uh more i guess like security folk or like more technology focused people who are not really not not in terms of like consumer technology but lots of people who are in like the tech field don't really buy into things such as like oh like a google home or an alexa or like a ring camera that's because they know it's stealing your shit (laughs) exactly yeah uh and additionally another interesting thing is that uh, because of this partnership uh many police departments have begun to sell uh ring door cameras and like they've begun to sell these things at a discount and like just trying to encourage people to buy more of these like essentially buy into surveillance so see i don't uh, know specifically (laughs) what i don't know specifically what you mean by that but what i'm thinking about is like a like like a police officer carrying around like a cart of surveillance (laughs) cameras and just like throwing them at doorsteps that's not like too far from it's more like they it's they have like town-wide discounts for the security cameras and stuff like that that sounds like that honestly sounds like what like an anarcho-capitalist oh. utopia would be like <laughs> kind of yeah where do you have the quote-unquote choice to be surveilled uh-huh. by um Mc- the mcdonald's disney monopoly merger yeah <laughs> um but you know if if you don't then you'll get shot by a mcbullet <laughs> also like the whole relationship between amazon and uh these hundreds of police departments across the country if I'm gonna piss in a in, bottle, I don't want Amazon to see, okay? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, same. But, like, it's it's very questionable, like, whether or not Amazon has access to these things, whether or not, like, how, the what extent uh, police, the police are collaborating with Amazon and vice versa. Uh, they built all these partnerships with these local police departments before most journalists and uh civil liberties advocates could uh like find out about them and stuff like that it's it's very like behind the scenes and questionable uh most of the statements that local governments have created about these uh this this program have been like written and pre-approved by ring and by amazon so it's like there's there's some big questionable stuff about this so oh oof yeah it's like in the same way that um uh, news broadcasts about like certain um, political campaigns or political uh, issues are ran by uh, the public relations firms that like drafted mm-hmm. those oh, yeah, things. Yeah. Um, so you can see how the relationship between um, the police, which uh, we've said many times, are 
generally not for working people, but rather are for the wealthy class. For sure. Um, and their relationship to the wealthy class uh, is extremely worrying and extremely problematic. And so far, uh, out of these, uh, out of many cities and towns that it, uh, that have, I think it's been, uh, it's increased to like nearly 900 uh, individual law enforcement agencies. Um, uh, there was a recent... Uh, event in which uh, NBC News spoke with 40 law enforcement agencies in eight different states that had been partnered with Ring. Uh, 13 out of the 40 uh, jurisdictions did not make any arrests at all from the Ring footage, so it hasn't actually been, like, quote-unquote, like, helping them uh, find anything bad, and they just have access to this footage now. And additionally, out of the arrests that have been made, uh, the vast majority of them have been for very low-level and non-violent property crimes like theft. Like, the there was an arrest for someone who stole a $13 book or, like, two It depends books. on the book. It's if like, it was, like, an Ayn Rand book, oh, then, I'd yeah. understand <laughs> why they'd arrest someone over that. Yeah. But, like, honestly, though, like, this type of thing... Uh, this is also a discussion that I recently had, but the like property theft as a general idea is very is seen like as something that's morally reprehensible in capitalist societies uh because obviously of the value that we place on property itself uh we recently had a discussion in my ap lit class about how about like ranking different types of like crimes like the general idea of the crime and whether or not it was, like, something that's objectively, like, bad or good. And a lot of people, surprisingly to me, uh, said that they viewed theft as a very, like, bad thing to do. Uh, and just, like, the idea of having something that's your property and having someone else, like, quote-unquote, like, take away something that you view as justly yours, that's something that really... I don't think it exists that much out of capitalism and uh, competition-based uh, economics, just because, like, there are many things that we view as property that, like, I don't know. One of the examples that we gave was, like, uh, people, like, stealing uh, phones from, like, gym lockers or something, and it's, like... That I can understand being bad, because, like, a phone is personal oh, property, suppose, like, yeah. it has use for individuals as opposed to land which has communal use yeah but like um, even as an yeah. object like the fact that we see uh that as theft even like if you excuse all the potential uh economic necessity behind what would like obviously uh make someone want to do that oh yeah and that you see um that you see breaking the window of a starbucks as worse than like a cop shooting um yeah uh, like a black man um and not you necessarily but there are a lot of people who mm -hmm. respond negatively to destructive uh, like destructive protests like the ones in ferguson yeah like destruction of property is not nearly as bad as, as like destruction of life yeah exactly and, um, and I think that's definitely another double standard that's oh, for sure. um, applied to the, you know, the capitalist class, because um, for some reason, theft of property, like time theft, uh -huh. whatever the fuck that even is, <laughs> is viewed as a bigger deal than wage theft, which in total has, um, you know, 
created more stolen wealth than every bank robbery or burglary or just like robbery in general like in history and like working class lives of people that are viewed in capitalist society as not contributing as much or just like as laborers like working class lives are not viewed as like they are not viewed as a life that also that also like, uh, connects us to bloomberg who oh we'll be yeah talking about soon <laughs> but like it, it's kind of shocking to see how people just see this as like oh if you destroy property you are deserving of death if like you somehow well not not really anymore or, but like if you stole a cow in the 1700s oh. <laughs> you'd definitely be shot by firing squad like yeah real my brother sam is dead hours but like yeah so like Going back to, like, we, we live in a fairly affluent suburb, so uh, my main argument was that, like, the objective, uh, like, hurt or, like, loss of you your uh, affluent object or material good being stolen, like, if you detach it from, yes, there's personal property attributed to that, but if it was something that was stolen from you based off of, like, just material... Uh, value like if you had like a, f- a fancy pair of shoes or something stolen from a gym locker like the the amount of like objective pain or harm it costs to you is nearly negligent because it's just an object obviously and if you consider like the ramifications of like stolen property why is it that we don't think of like just consumption in general from a western and colonial and imperialist standpoint as theft because we are essentially stealing labor from uh other countries we're on stolen land right now that is objective fact people in canada are stealing land as we speak um uh they're you know trying to build a transcontinental pipeline on unceded wetsuetan territory yeah the Canadian capital, in fact, is on unceded territory. Oh, for sure. And, like, that's just the thing. Like, everything that we... If you consider it... Like, if you look at uh, theft from a capitalist standpoint, uh, why are we ignoring theft from working-class people and working-class communities and other places in society that we've exploited? Because that is just... that That's more theft... Uh, I'd argue, than, like, someone, like, stealing medication from a pharmacy or stealing a phone from a locker or something like that. So, I don't know. Yeah, theft under capitalism opens a lot of really, really important conversations into um, exploitation and even decolonization that I've, until now, never really thought to make, um, especially between, like, um, you know, like, colonialism and just the concept of theft as a whole. I mean, like, we're all yeah. conscious of the fact that we are on stolen land, but we often do not think of ourselves as, um, you know, complicit thieves or mm-hmm. settlers, because it doesn't really occur to us that, you know, we are benefiting from something that is stolen. Oh, yeah. And in doing so, you know, without a hitch, we're not really trying to make up. We're not really trying to make up for that. We're not actually, yeah. you know, fighting... Um, the means that keep uh, colonized populations uh, colonized and subjugated. Um, So, yeah, that's super interesting. And additionally, like, uh, the idea of land ownership was... I don't don't believe it was very 
uh, prevalent amongst most Native American societies. No, yeah, indigenous societies are, you know, demonstrably super communalist. Yeah, just because, like, the idea of something that is natural and in existence as, like, private property is something that is quite unique to most capitalist and European societies. Uh, like, that idea was mainly introduced and just the forcible expulsion of indigenous indigenous populations from the land that they cultivated and lived on has sort of introduced this idea of, like, theft into a mostly communal society. And, like, overall, like, just, like, the theft of something as basic and universal as, like, resources such as land and water is something that is somewhat new and unusual. This episode is brought to you by Dasani. (laughs) Oh, you know, not to butt in. Well, yes to butt in, Yeah, uh, because that's what I'm doing. But, um, oh, you know, that's time theft right there. (laughs) Oh, execute me right now. Um, But you know what would make losing a cell phone, like, a lot less of a deal? Uh A lot less big of a deal under socialism? Free public transit. Oh. You could just, like, go to your homies whenever you want, talk to them whenever you want. You wouldn't feel alienated by the Honestly, clutches of yeah. capitalism pitting each other, pitting us against each other. Honestly, it wouldn't be a big deal. And like, Wouldn't miss out on any work, probably. Yeah, leftists are uh, very horny for free public transportation, but it is for a good reason. Yeah. I also can't... It's not beyond imagination that there would be, like, cell phone, quote-unquote, libraries. Oh, yeah, that would know. be fairly interesting actually like just envisioning that would imagine be... if you could just like do whatever like text or something on the apple store i feel like yeah. <laughs> that that creates a bunch of cybersecurity issues probably but... but like in a communal aspect and like uh, also like the motivations for most like digital crime are monetary based and if there wasn't like a material motivation for most of these to happen there is no such thing as intellectual property yeah like i don't really think that people would want to do something like that just for the sake of hurting other people like of course there are probably people who would be like who who would for some reason want to create harm for the sole sake of creating harm but I think it's you... safe to say that that's a small minority. Oh, yeah, for sure. And the small minority who is like that are probably our leaders already. Yeah, true. Um... But, like, overall, though, like, if we were in a more communal society in which there wasn't quite as much of a material, uh, what's it called? Like, inspiration, not inspiration, but, like, incentive. Incentive yeah. for, like, committing these types of, like, crimes, quote-unquote then it, it would probably lower the rate of that significantly. So, I don't know. Interesting to think about. Yeah, but, I yeah. like I like how we um, uh, went from this, <laughs> this, like, super, you know, tense conversation about, like, police states to this very chill, uh, <laughs> transcendent conversation about theft and mm. communalist societies. But now we have to get angry again because we're oh, talking yeah. about <laughs> Michael Michael Bloomberg. Holy crap. Um, and... Uh, we just have to ask, why? Oh my god, I hate him so much. Like, it's not even funny. Like, I don't know if I feel hatred so much I as I feel, like, like, total and complete disbelief that he's yeah, a person same. that exists and chose to make the choices that he made uh, that brought him and all of us 
to <laughs> this shit position that we're in today. Yeah. Oh, God, he's leading in oh, Oklahoma and Alabama and Arkansas and basically every non- um, early voting state because he has he spent he 400, $400 million, million dollars on ads alone like that's a lot of money okay like please just just also like side note like the the thing about like jeff bezos donating 10 billion dollars to climate change. Oh, we can yeah, talk about that later but like holy crap like 400 million dollars on advertisements is a ton of money that could have done so many other things that are like objectively you know, like real good, like yeah real the water like, in Flint, Michigan material <laughs> like, conditions changing yeah. activism or even if you want to look at it from you know a more liberal perspective he could have funded you know so many senate races oh yeah. um <laughs> which he did by the way he which did is how but he got like a lot of senate endorsements that's how he has so many endorsements you're right he i think he uh donated uh what was it like eight or nine million dollars i'm not particularly sure on the numbers but he made very sizable donations in the 2018 uh elections season and like the people there i I forgot who specifically is endorsing him now but there was a most congresswoman (laughs) from somewhere uh there were there there were like around like eight or nine i think it was like a black congresswoman from uh some southern state endorsed him and she also received a sizable amount of cash uh, during yeah. the 2018 election. Um, Michael Bloomberg, he uh, ra- he raised a lot of money, millions of dollars, um, for uh, Stacey Abrams. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, voter anti-voter suppression causes, um, which, which you know, helping stop voter suppression, good. Um, but you know, as a result, she's been you know on the view and online defending his exorbitant expenses um and it's it's like she's trying to hide the fact that you know even if he's not accepting money from you know the leeches Mm -hmm. he is the biggest friggin leash oh exactly yeah she made a tweet i believe it was like at least we know where the money's coming from come on no that that's like we know it's coming from a bad place she ran for governor of georgia and lost to the dude who was oh, doing you, the voter Brian suppressing Kemp. Yeah. yeah i i don't like i thought like i don't this know by the way it's uh mm-hmm. it's disturbing to me to see that like I, I mean it's not surprising per se but it is certainly something that is slightly gut-wrenching to see that uh that politicians and like people who are extremely wealthy in this country can essentially buy political clout exactly like if he gets nominated to anything uh-huh. we will never not have a billionaire president yeah because exactly. people will just be funneling more and more money into this electoral system which legitimizes doing so and it's like we we very obviously now especially uh, live in a plutocracy if this if that wasn't made clear by the past political dynasties of wealthy families that have ruled over our governments it should be excessively clear now because like there it's i don't know it's, it's and like shocking. yeah if you have any uh, doubt in your mind that you know he has achieved his current position because of money he is currently you know outdoing joseph robinette biden the third in national polling <laughs> and he is like an objectively worse person oh, yeah like totally. joe biden i think is like ignorantly racist and you know ignorantly super like gropey and yeah gay. yeah he just seems like a dope and i don't think he knows what he's doing here uh because every time something says 
every time something comes out of his mouth, like his entire jaw just oh, yeah. like, melts True. into some weird accidental racist thing. But Michael Bloomberg has proven to be deli- well. I guess Joe Joe Biden, Joe Biden was like somewhat Joe Biden was extremely lucid during the Iraq War vote. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, still a terrible person in terms of politics. But Michael Bloomberg, no saint either. In fact, oh, yeah. I'd argue Much he's worse, even probably. less of a saint than Joe Biden. A because you know he also supported the Iraq War. Mm-hmm. You know, like vehemently. Oh, for sure. Um, calling people who didn't want. Uh, you know, to go to war with Iraq extremely uh, irresponsible <laughs> and to call any anti-war stance irresponsible, I think suggests a level of like Western chauvinism and militarism that we should all be afraid of. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, yeah. If you want to go over some of the reasons why he's pr- just as, if not more. Oh racist yeah. Yeah. Uh, than Joe so, Biden. okay. So, um, he has made recent claims that he was trying to de-escalate Stop and Frisk, which was a program that he was a major like powerhouse uh, supporter of. And also, uh, just just as a reminder, uh, the height of Stop and Frisk was under the Bloomberg administration in New York. Yeah, and at that point, there would have been almost 2,000 stops a oh, day. Yeah. If you... To, you know, 70%, no, 80%, people yeah. of color, 90% of whom were innocent. I would honestly implore well, anyone really who has some sort of preconception that Bloomberg is any type of good, uh, please just, if you don't, like, if you're distanced yourself from things such as stop and frisk through means of just your own privilege or your own inexperience with it, like, please go and read some of the stories about it online. Like, it's it has devastated entire communities of african-americans and latino populations in new york city uh oh yeah he also has more sexual harassment allegations than donald trump true yeah um so then donald trump and joe biden combined it's like none of both of those people have obscene amounts of sexual assault allegations already oh wait i just want to say we haven't mentioned bernie once which i think is good for us because we have a lot of trouble doing that (laughs) but like yeah so Bloomberg's sexual assault allegations are numerous. Uh, for some reason, most, like, vote blue no matter who, hashtag resist Democrats, have decided to overlook that just because he switched parties to Democrat. Which again, And they also incidentally got, you know, a cool new chandelier. Uh, Not related at uh, yeah, all. Yeah, completely unrelated. But, like, Bloomberg, his, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, sexual assault allegations. He has a lot of them. Yeah, it's not even like, it's not even like, oh no, they're just sexual harassments and they're not even proven. No, 40 of them are sexual harassment, 24 of them are assault. That's, yeah, it's um... Either way, that's a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm... And, you know, he has a history of extremely misogynistic oh, comments. true. You know, he's said stuff to co-workers, or he's alleged to have said stuff, but honestly... I, you know, and again, like, it's not like I don't believe them. Um, he's alleged to have say, said stuff like, I do this female co-worker in a second. Oh, yeah. And he is on record having said, um, like, in response to a female co-worker telling someone, or telling him that she's pregnant, he's, you know, reported to have said, kill it. Yeah, oh. Kill the baby. He's also said in, or like, throughout his. And that's whole, not like a paraphrase. Oh, that's not a paraphrase. It's like a direct quote. Yeah. 
uh, throughout his whole uh, career as a business person, uh, he has told people, like women who are pregnant, uh, to to find someone who's like he's used like m- multiple racial slurs to be like, oh, find this insert stereotype here as a nanny, and or like it, it's it's he's done this like publicly multiple times. Uh, also, last year, 2019, he referred to transgender people in extremely transphobic ways. I'm probably, I don't really want to repeat it, just because it's not great. <laughs> but, like, it, this is not a good person. I think this should be fairly obvious to most people. However, for some reason, we've let the idea of a party affiliation uh rise above that in terms of our judgment of someone exactly and, and like th- he is being vetted almost every second of every day yeah. like new media um in which he says some racist thing or some sexist thing <laughs> is coming out every moment the thing is he is spending money too fast and in too large quantities for any one of his prospective voters to care um but he, we, you know, there are some good things that have come out of this, mm-hmm. uh, no matter how... Oh, yeah, all this, like, sexism stuff is uh, coinciding with the Weinstein trial, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah. Which is... Mm, that we'd have to do a whole <laughs> episode on that. Yeah. But, um, not that we're qualified exactly, but, you know. You know, you know. Um, but I think it is true that Bloomberg is splitting the centrist vote quite a bit um, with... And, you know, I wrote this in the outline... Uh, people with just enough values, like, not to vote Bloomberg, but not enough to disqualify <laughs> Biden and Buttigieg. Um, so that's, uh, you know, he's kind of tearing things up in that respect, and as a result, Bernie is leading in double digits in Nevada, mm-hmm. and I think also, like, 9 or 10% nationwide. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Biden and Buttigieg aren't going to stop running because they see themselves as antithetical to Bloomberg's, you know, pay-to-win thing. So they don't have a reason to stop running yeah. and to stop splitting the vote. You know, Biden's got his, you know, I was, I had a close relationship to President Obama thing. Pete Buttigieg has this, has this, I'm young and definitely don't work for the CIA <laughs> thing. Um, and Bloomberg has his, I'm rich, fuck you, I'm going to pay you yeah. <laughs> thing. So they all individually have their gimmicks and their reasons to stay in this race. Um, also, he's absolutely going to get shat on during the oh, debate. I desperately want to see that. I just want to see someone call out his sexual assault, Honestly, alleg- sexual harassment and assault allegations in public, because that is not something that we see often enough. It is yeah. not often enough that we see genuine remorse from abusive people's eyes. Like, even when being confronted with the disastrous effects of the Iraq War, um, Joe Biden and, you know, even Bernie Sanders, who had a small but not insignificant role in uh-huh. perpetuating militarism in the Middle East, yeah. they, it almost bounces off of them without, you know, w- without a hitch. Yeah. Um, so that is something that I think the American people really, really need to see about Michael Bloomberg, because, oh yeah, there's also the issue of the, the like, Obama quote-unquote endorsement. Oh. Um, <laughs> and, ha- yeah, have you seen those, you know ads that are being run, you know, every day during every news cycle, Uh um, about, like, how Bloomberg has worked with Obama. 
Uh-huh. There has been a not insignificant amount of people who think that Obama has endorsed Bloomberg. Oh, no. And, That's... E- you know, even so, they see him praising Bloomberg and assume, oh, this is, you know, Barack's guy, so I might as well go with him. Um, yeah. Uh... You know, because the Democratic establishment, because this tried and true Democratic figure approves. Mm-hmm. No. You know, if anything, he spent just as much time working with uh, George you know, Bush. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, George Bush, Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders. He's worked with everyone. He was president for yeah. eight years. <laughs> oh, oh, I was, oh, I was gonna say. Uh, I thought you were talking about Bloomberg in terms of working with many people. Like he has, he was a very big Bush supporter. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Just a reminder. If there you are pictures were with him and that. Epstein and Weinstein and Trump. Also, tr- yeah, and they're all just chilling out, golfing, and having you know, a I've nice seen time fucking over poor people. I've seen the allegation about those photos, or the the you know argument about those photos that you know anyone in New York politics is going to have been seen with Michael Bloomberg. I don't know. I uh, haven't seen <laughs> Alexandria Ocasio Cortez with oh, Michael yeah. Bloomberg. <laughs> I don't. Th- I don't think. This is just my my humble opinion, but something tells me people with principles do not pose in a photo with Michael Bloomberg. Yeah, but yeah, he's. I, I really desperately need to like. The, it's the main reason. I just I'm need. The debate. I, need I just need some dunk on billionaires juice. I don't. I'm not like particularly confident that it will happen to the extent that I want it to. Just in that, like the. The obviously the line of questioning from whoever hosts the debates. I think it's NBC. Not sure. Probably. Honestly, they're all the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> but like the questioning is not going to be that harsh against him. It's probably going to be like, oh, so like all these like Bernie Bros are alleging that you've done X, Y, and Z. How can you defend yourself? And how can you, Bernie Sanders? Oh yeah, another say that? That's fucking a bad thing. It's yeah, like, well, another it's, it's fucking be... p- reason why we shouldn't elect Bloomberg because he responds to you know legitimate criticisms from the you know left wing oh, of the gosh. Democratic Party with. I'm being bullied. Also, no, you're being rightfully accused of you of know like, sexual abuse, exactly of being racist. a racist, of being an oligarch, which anyone with above one billion dollars <laughs> definitely is, because you know there are less than like a few thousand billionaires, and the fact that they have you know a total say of what happens with our economy, <laughs> with the global economy. Mm-hmm. Is pretty oligarchy if you ask yeah. me in a planet of you know a million times 1000 people yeah. a 7 million times but <laughs> regardless like i don't know also like can neoliberals who were so fed up about like oh like women not getting a say in politics can you please like take a look at that now cuz him trying to call out and silence people like Nina Turner online in a very public manner for simply stating factual evidence to not support Bloomberg and just factual evidence of his racist policy and sexism in the past, like, please don't accept that as something that I, I don't really understand Absolutely. why that's... And you saw all these, like, Center for American Progress Democrats, like Nero Tandon, oh, oh, um, mm-hmm. yeah, the director of um, Center for American Progress, yeah. which is, like, the you know, centrist, center-right... Um, wing of, you know, the Democratic establishment. Mm-hmm. Um, you see all of them talking about, like, how, you know, Bernie's a sexist because he allegedly said that, you know, a woman couldn't win. Which, um, and then they're totally, they're just totally behind Bloomberg. It's, uh, because, uh... quote-unquote, he could beat Trump, which, 
I don't think he, he could. He could never. I do not think he could. He his his soda man like someone mentioned this. But it's like, pathetic. Yeah, like that alone I, like, could whether, destroy him. Whether or not I agree or disagree with it, that's such a softball stance to take. And like on anything, yeah, as someone a who, soda ban. As someone who lived in the, Our, the planet is going area. to be destroyed in the next 10, 15 years, and he wants to ban big gulps. He he caught a lot of flack on that, by the way. Like. In New Jersey and New York City, like around the yeah, early like no 20s one liked era, him in New York. No one likes New York mayors. Him. Like it's he has very he had very little public support. Yeah, like De Blasio recently endorsed Bernie, and people were like, "Hey, fuck this guy." Yeah, <laughs> it's I don't know. I'm overall, I, I I think, I hope he'll be destroyed soon, but literally and metaphorically, yeah. mm, liquidate liquidate them assets. Throw him into like a billionaire oh, re-education yeah. nanny daycare <laughs> camp or something. I think like one another somewhat good thing is that the further and like the more blatant he is with how like self-funded and how corrupt he is, uh, I think that could possibly be a good vessel for like. I guess communicating like leftism and leftist yeah. This ideals. is a gr- if anything, this is a great advertisement for publicly funded elections. Yeah. It's like for people who are not entirely convinced yet of like just the fact that we live in a plutocracy and that money basically runs politics. This should be more than enough to demonstrate that that is in fact true. And I don't know, maybe. Like even if he get if he if he gets the nomination if the DNC goes that far as to prioritize uh, like a few million dollars in donations over the well being of the working class I can see a possibility of a significant movement building up against that but that's yeah. that said we were gonna talk about you know reform versus revolution but I yeah. think we can move that off to another episode because that's a relatively large topic oh for sure but I think this is a really good segue into like Bernie or bust as a concept uh-huh. um I define Bernie or bust in you know generous terms as like building like a separate power structure within the Democratic Party uh-huh. that will not vote for its establishment candidates and will not vote for its, its establishment policies. Yeah. Um, how, how do we feel about that? Do we think it's, like, anti-utilitarian, it's bad because it's, you know, anti-utilitarian, or do you think it's, um, just, like, a bunch of two-principled people being irresponsible? I mean, like, yeah. overall, uh, my take on it is that there are certain candidates that, like, for example, Bloomberg, if he got the nomination, which, I mean, I can't vote in 2020, but if I could, uh... I would not be able to forgive myself for voting for Bloomberg just based on a party. Uh, Just because there's essentially no difference between him and Trump in terms of how bad he is. And also just like morally, I can't, uh, it's, I find it morally reprehensible to vote for someone who like did something as bad as like stop and frisk. Yeah, it's not even like utilitarian. Yeah, It's, it's... It's not even, like, philosophically or morally better than voting for Trump. And, like, even on a different level, like, most neoliberal candidates, uh, I would find it very difficult for myself to accept, like, voting for a 
colonialist and imperialist person who is advocating for the continued oppression of working class people halfway across the world for our own personal gain. And here, I guess. And but, you know, too, that's, but... yeah, that's kind of established already. <laughs> like, I don't know. I would find it difficult to convince myself that that would be a good idea. I suppose, in a sense of, like, choosing the better of two evils, I might be able to convince myself to do that. But again, it would be a very difficult decision for... I, I suppose it would be very difficult for me to, like, wrap my head around that, but I don't know. Yeah, I might as well disclose that I'm I'm not even quite Bernie or Bust or Bernie or Vest. I'm, <laughs> you know, like, beside, because of my political path over the past four or five years, I would have been reluctant. I probably wouldn't have voted for any candidate if Bernie wasn't running. Mm-hmm. Um, but I generally agree with Bernie or Bust or Bernie or Ryan yeah. or whatever. Because revolution no matter who wins i think it's i think yeah absolutely but i also think it's a good idea to um endorse this um counter power structure that's mm-hmm. um boycotting oh, sure. neoliberal and bourgeois elections um i th- and i tend to think of it like a union oh um mm-hmm. a union of people who are um you know trying like putting their bodies on the line putting their you know votes on the line um, to build a leftist, progressive, you know, left-ish movement yeah. um, in the United States. And obviously, I think we could do a lot better. And, you know, um, we all have ideas about how we could achieve that. But, you know, this is a good thing, in my yeah, view. Yeah, certainly. Uh, and to, like, to be Bernie or Bust is essentially to boycott our corrupt political system. It, uh, that said, it is not a politics of personal virtue. Mm-hmm. It is not just a bunch of people coincidentally saying, oh, I'm morally uh, against voting for Joe Biden or Michael Bloomberg or Elizabeth Warren or anybody, but that's not to say they're, you know, at all to- like totally similar, but uh-huh. um, yeah, it's not, you know, just personal individual morality. Yeah. It's people seeing solidarity with oppressed individuals, oppressed communities, oppressed, um, you know, oppressed nations and saying, nah, we're going to boycott this. Yeah. And if you have the same information that we do, um, if you're cognizant of our current political moment the way we are, um, to vote for these candidates mm-hmm. is basically scabbing, um, is basically crossing our picket line. So that's that tends to be how I think about um, the burning or bust movement. Yeah. Obviously, if it's too small to make a difference, then that's kind of sad. Um, not in, like, the pathetic way, but in the, oh, God, we're fucked way. <laughs> yep. Um, so that's why it's imperative that Bernie supporters really unite to stop fucking around and hold a demonstrably corrupt Democratic establishment hostage. For sure. And, like, additionally... I, I want healthcare. Yeah. <laughs> I want to go to college. The idea that, like, th- this is obviously... Uh, in- inaction is not what should be implied by Bernie or Bust. Like, the act of not voting... Uh, that is I would not argue, activism in and of itself. Yeah, that isn't. But, like, the... Just voting in itself doesn't have as much of an act... Like, a potential for activism as we like to think yeah, of it as. Yeah, you need to exhibit solidarity with the other people who are doing it, in the yeah. very least, mm-hmm. so that you could, you know, show the democratic establishment and the neoliberal... Um, you know, faux left establishment mm-hmm. that, you know, these are, here you have tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people who are fed up and, uh, you know, alienated 
by a system that clearly has no interest in serving their interests, which um, incidentally uh, is, you know, the interest of the entire working class. Yeah, incidentally. Um, so we need to ask more of our electoral system, and we need to ask more of our communities, and even to a smaller extent ourselves, because, you know, individual action, mm -hmm. it does some things, yeah. doesn't do other things, doesn't do most things. Um, do not blame individuals who are pissed off for giving us Trump. Blame the our the, the democratic electoral system for giving us a candidate who does not care about poor people, i.e. Hillary Clinton, yeah. Joe Biden, Amy Klobuchar, Pete Buttigieg, etc., etc., etc. Michael like, Bloomberg. Yeah, please, gonna, yeah how yeah. would I forget? You can't say that, like, low voter turnout, for example, like, for the past few decades, uh, for, like, m extremely moderate candidates such as those uh, aforementioned neoliberals. Like, if a candidate... Like, this is one issue I have with, like, the non-political argument in that like uh yes to some degree there are like if for, for some people to say that they're non-political is certainly a luxury in that like if you have that amount of privilege to not be affected by any type of political uh difference then that is certainly a luxury and that is certainly a privilege yeah that's uh, that's also um distinct from, like, the disillusion for oh, yeah, exactly. political, um, which is, like, inherently left-wing in our current political yeah. system in and of itself, because people are, like, people are cognizant of the fact that, you know, whatever concessions they give us are probably going to be shot yeah. down or uh, reformed away by mm -hmm. the next election cycle, so why even try? And, like, the, the amount of people who are disillusioned just by the fact of, like, us not really living in a democracy and whatever... Uh, influence a single vote can have not really being significant enough to do any change is distinctly different from the apoliticized nature of just like not actually needing to care enough to about because it's not going to affect you but like just looking at the field of candidates that establishment democrats like to parade around like a lot of times if those candidates don't fight for the working class and if they don't have any policy that would benefit it at all, then, like, please don't expect to see mass voter turnout from the working class. Because if nothing's going to happen, then that it's not going to be something that resonates. And additionally, like, just in terms of the Bernie movement, I, I can see some very big potential for, like, a, ver a much larger movement in terms of, like, serious political change serious systemic change and just like the the i guess we have to reach some level of like self-realization about like the level of fucked up our oh yeah definitely is. so many people i think are um mired in uh like the apolitical um like the apolitical trump is a phenomena yeah um idea that they don't even you know think to recognize um, just how interconnected and absolutely fucked we are. <laughs> yeah. And, like, just saying, uh, the people who support Bloomberg now and, like, the amount of Democrat support that Bloomberg has received, uh, on one hand, of course, you can attribute it to uh, his uh, advertising prowess. Uh, he appeals to many older voters 
who probably their main source of information is like television and consequently the television ads and the news networks that he literally owns. But on the other hand, there is a level of, uh, like it's very apparent that many people who are anti-Trump are simply against his style. They're against him and his cult of personality, exactly. Yeah, there's nothing against, if, if you took his policy and his opinions and inserted them into another more digestible candidate, which is exactly what's happening with Bloomberg, he's just as sexist and racist and terrible, just put under the label of a Democrat and slightly shorter and not as... He is like, quite short. Oh yeah, he is. But like, just the fact that like, you see essentially the same political ideals in a more digestible package and suddenly it's it's something that's very that, that, that people in the center and people in the establishment are seeing as a good alternative to someone like Bernie. It's oh, you know, to be fair though, uh, Bloomberg probably can pass his shitty healthcare plan and his oh, shitty climate change plan probably because he's donated to everyone's campaign. Yeah, <laughs> but like, j- I don't know. It's just that like the there are the establishment view of politics is more protectionist than it might appear. Uh, Like, obviously, the idea that our country is run by mostly uh, economic elites and political elites is not very far from the reality. And it's becoming abundantly clear that, like, people are are not against Trump's policy. Like, again, like, when I say people, I mean, like, mostly neoliberals. There's a very slim difference between like most conservative democrats and republicans yeah like the hillary clinton's life is not going to be worse in any way besides like besides like socially also Um, she's a turf oh yeah no same as bloomberg yeah oh yeah bloomberg i wouldn't even call him a turf because he's probably not not a a feminist feminist, but he is trans exclusionary he's just a tab patent trans exclusionary person tur no no trans exclusionary reactionary oh tur yeah okay but like a, a few years ago, like a few months ago, more like I. Well, was I'm like, a tit. We're tits. <laughs> yes. Trans exclusionary teen socialists. Yes, we are. Tits. We are tits. <laughs> but like a few months ago, I was sort of having like a little mental discussion with myself about whether or not Those Hillary. Are most of my discussions. <laughs> yeah, but like whether or not Hillary winning the election would have actually been any better. And at that time, which I have was my doubts. <laughs> before, like I realized that she was a turf. I thought, like, oh, well, Trump's done at least, like, he's done, like, terrible things towards trans community and the LGBT community as a whole, and I'm sure Hillary wouldn't have done that. But, um, given recent details about her comments regarding trans people, uh, maybe she would have, so, yeah. And yeah, these people are representative of a political class that are almost totally in control of the reins, and the only yeah. way to shake that control is math, mass movement politics. Yes. Whether sure. it's, you know, um, an exodus of progressives from the Democratic Party in terms of, you know, liberal Democratic politics, or a literal revolution. <laughs> Please. <laughs> but yeah, so I guess our concluding ideas will be that we, we have to organize, we have to revolt, and we have to actually it like i think they're that people are a lot more committed to seeing change now uh obviously this is sort of like 
Karl Marx's words echoing from uh, his yes, baby, baby boy. <laughs> but, like, seriously, the wheels of capitalism are turning against itself. It's becoming abundantly clear that, like, acting in your own self-interest and against the goodwill of society, like, the, the time of that has certainly come to an end. Uh, when it's become so clear that we live in a society of abundance that allows its own citizens to suffer at the expense of, like, just so that others can succeed in exorbitant amounts, then I think it's, it's something that is easily realized for most people. And yeah, there's there's a potential here. Yeah, that... not to not to sound like too much too much like uh, Pete Buttigieg, you know, <laughs> turn of phrase. But the only the only dictatorship we need in the White House is a dictatorship of the proletariat. <laughs> but yeah, so the only thing we need to grab by the genitalia is corruption in Washington. <laughs> but yeah, that's a uh, nice. So yeah, um, we'll be attempting, well, I'll be attempting to watch The only debates. Green New Deal that we need is money being printed out of the treasury, <laughs> being given to the middle class, and I'm Pete Buttigieg, fuck poor people. <laughs> Holy crap, his South Bend record, I can't get over how people just, I don't know, he's, you. That's a, that's a topic for when we have another hour to yeah. record, though. Oh, wait a second. Um, last notes uh, on the $10 billion that Jeff Bezos donated, or quote-unquote donated to fight climate change. Uh, yeah, so... He easily makes that in a year. <laughs> yeah, first of all, that's a fraction, a mere fraction of his net worth. Uh, Amazon alone is... I think it surpassed a trillion dollars. Yeah, in, yeah. Like, a few months ago, or I'm not even sure when it was. Uh, and also just the fact that it's private funding. Um, it's not gets, even like he's not even like yeah. donating it. It's just he's starting a hedge fund. He gets to decide. Kind of fund. Yeah, he gets to decide where all that goes. It's There's... not democratic, and to everyone saying, "Oh, you know, it's good because he's using his money, ten billion dollars for good." First of all, he shouldn't have that money in the first place. Oh yeah, <laughs> still a bastard. He stole that money from exploiting the and, government yeah. and. I mean, the environment. Why did I say the government? I mean, he's probably... There's probably, probably there's elements of that. that. But, like, he's exploited the environment to get to where he is. Uh, he's done more damage to the environment. Amazon as a whole has destroyed the environment to a much higher level than probably most individual action combined. And, yeah, please don't go around parading your support for someone... Licking his bald head. Yeah. <laughs> like the benevolent oligarch he is. He gets to choose where that money goes, and uh, please do not believe that that money is not going to go somewhere that benefits anyone other than himself. And even if he does invest it into, like, clean energy, it's, it's sure as hell not going to be public clean energy. Uh, yeah. It's going to be, uh, you know, a Amazon and, you know, ExxonMobil are going to be the main beneficiaries of that. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, capitalism is not democratic. That money should be in the hands of the people, and the people should have a choice in deciding where this goes take that invisible hand of capitalism and fucking break it <laughs> go fuck yourself know. with it yeah that too so yeah have a fun week uh we hope you aren't as disillusioned actually you can be as disillusioned as i am but whatever um but yeah eat the rich bye
拜。